Hello, and welcome to the Get Rich Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Derek Devin, and joining me on this Thursday evening are Adam White and Peter Bowler. Nathan Staples is absent, watching some football in Germany. Uh, without European football to, to reconsider, we'll focus on a bumper set of six matches from across league uh, this weekend. First, an update on our score predictor game. Uh, Adam and I both had a pretty good weekend last weekend, uh, recording five points each. That's three points for a correct uh, score and one point for a correct result. Nathan got one point, and Peter got none. Uh, that does leave us with a new leader. Uh, Adam is on 27, although Nathan and I are in hot pursuit on 25 points each. Peter's a little bit further back at 12, but you know, there's no relegation in this league, and there's all to yep. play for with uh, six matches to preview tonight. We're gonna in start... true Trump fashion, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call, call for a fix uh, if I don't. The, un... <laughs> the underrepresented voters. All right. So let's start with the first match of the weekend. Uh, that's tomorrow's trip by Monaco to Lorient. Uh, Le Merleau entered this match with, without several key players, including goalkeeper Benjamin Lecomte, defender Mikhail Sayani, and, defend, and midfielder Walid Mesloup. This raft of injuries is sure to make new manager Bernard Cassoni's debut a tough one, especially considering the opposition. But a former Newcastle man, Sylvain Marveau, has finally found fitness. Uh, suffice it to say that his time in England was a disappointment, but at Rennes, he was an impressive presence in attack when fit. Adam, is his inclusion on a consistent basis enough to spark the likes of Benjamin Mukanju and Majid Waris, or is there really no hope for Lorient, even at this early point in the season? Um, I, it's an interesting point because uh, Marvo is an experienced player. He's 30 now. and he, He's not just been around in Wigan, but he's obviously been abroad in England. He's, he's an experienced performer. And for a team like Lorient, what they're really missing is, is quality. Having sold Didier Ndong and Jan Juf, um, over, over the summer and, and Verero, of course, to Dortmund over the summer and without really replacing them. They, they were sort of a team that finished in that bottom third and they were, you know, weren't ever really in danger of going down, but they, they you know, only, only survived by a, a relatively small margin and not replacing those players was, was, was a massive undersight, in my opinion, from, from the board and not necessarily Ripple. I imagine he wanted to replace them, but never got the chance and that's really been their undoing. And Marvo was one of those few players that did come in over the summer. And they obviously are hoping, having high hopes for him, but he's been injured and he's been in and out of the team. He hasn't lasted 90 minutes yet. He's barely lasted more than an hour. So his fitness is an issue. But he did play well against, against Rennie in a really quite forward position, and it's quite likely he may start in a similar position tomorrow. So I think Lawrence, like I often mention on the podcast, I think that um, like main issue is going to be getting the best out of those players. So he'll hope that that Marvo forward position, forward role, will get the best out of Macanjo and Morris, who are arguably apart from perhaps Argo Torian, Lecomte is a very good goalkeeper as well. Lorient's like two better players. So I think it's, it, given the, the, the way it went last week, then there's a really good basis for, for Lorient to build on here. They, they, did, they did well against Bordeaux. I mean, they perhaps didn't deserve to lose that game and, and played well. And, and Frank Hayes, he's, a, he's a, good, a, a good coach in his last game in charge. And hopefully Marvo will be able to perhaps even play Microsoft for a false nine, maybe. I, I, and with Boris and, and and Macanjo looking for those looking for those those bullets, if you like, to 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 get the goals that they need, because that's something they're also really lacking. Haven't really scored enough goals and looked creative enough. So I think it's uh, promising, if nothing else, and it'd be interesting to see how it plays out tomorrow. All right, Peter, turning to you, Lorient really struggled to bring in a replacement for Sylvain Ripoll. What makes this club so unattractive to potential managers? Mm, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I, I think it's probably more a case of asking 
what is attractive about the job, um, at least at the moment anyway. Uh, the club's financial pockets aren't exactly bulging, I don't think, and whenever they seem to finally bring in a, a player who shows a bit of spark, like Adam mentioned, obviously Didier Dong or um, Lamina Kone a little bit, going a little bit further back, um, the club just, just seemed to sell up, um, preferably it seems to Sunderland for some reason. Um, it would be a difficult task for any really ambitious manager, I think, to, to come in and really achieve things at Lorient. So I wondered maybe if they should perhaps turn to the kind of ex-pro route, um, maybe offering the kind of chance to ex-players who are looking for their first kind of big managerial job. I mean, names that spring to mind straight away would be people like Patrick Vieira, who I think is managing in America at the moment. Um, I know Claude McAuley a while ago was thinking about going to the management, Marcus Desailly as well, former France captain. So these are all people that that might be interested in the job, purely in the fact because they, they want to get into management and, and maybe the challenge of Lorient will be something that isn't such a risk for them because, you know, they, they just so badly want to get into the uh, into some managerial shoes. We have to always, of course, be careful about how McAuley's time at Bastia turned out, that is. Mm, yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. But you, they aren't exactly sport for choice, are they? It's true. It, it, it is a frustrating situation. Um, and I think it really also serves to underscore just how amazing of a job uh, Christian Gorkouf had done there, bringing the club up from, from Ligue 2 and uh, keeping them married, and even at the fringes of European competition on, on a few occasions. Uh, so looking now at our predictions, Peter, we'll start with you. Hmm, I think I'm going to go... Uh, oh, God. 1-0 Lorient. Our bold results against a yep. more Monaco side. I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think Monaco will win, but I think it will be a, a close, a closely fought game. But and high scoring as well. Lauren aren't exactly um, very tight at the back, and Monaco are free scoring at the moment. So three two Monaco. All right, uh, I will go with a similar approach. I'm going to go with one three to the visitors. Uh, turning now to Friday's other match. Uh, that's uh, Leon's trip to Lille. Leon are finally finding a bit of form. Uh, with two league wins in a row and continuing our focus on potential redemption stories. Matthew Valbuena is in line for a start tomorrow with Rashid Gazal injured and Nabil Fekir suspended. Adam, his start tomorrow is admittedly down for a lack of options for Bruno Genesio, but do you think the fr- former French international has had a raw deal since arriving in Lyon? I think he, I think he has. Um, I was always a big fan of Valbuena um, at Marseille and even perhaps in his time in, in Russia. He's always been a, a really exciting and, and talented player for French national team and often in European competitions and, in, and obviously in league and, and in Europe in general. He's, um, he's, he's been a really standout performer. And signing for Lyon, I, I'm looking at their team at the end of the previous season when they had Lacazette on form, Fakir was on form. We really thought that front three is a three that could be really threatening, not just in, in France, but in, in, in sort of Europe, in European competition. Um, but he... <laughs> His sort of form has kind of reflected the teams a little bit in his first season when they, they saw under Fournier, they kind of couldn't really find their rhythm and they had like, defensive issues and they really couldn't, sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, they really couldn't find their, their rhythm. Um, and he, he was sort of a, uh, also a sort of lightning rod for that. He was the scapegoat. His, his form sort of reflected the teams. And speaking with my, my colleague at Football Radar, Andres, who, who also covers the league, and he, he's often said that Balbrenham wasn't actually playing, playing too badly. He just probably wasn't. The, the sort of like, like, the, that spark that he'd been in, in his previous previous clubs. So I think he's sort of been, he's got the, the worst of the situation. He's been sort of the one that's been scapegoated for firstly Fournier's um, 
downfall and perhaps now Genesio, who's not had the best starts of this season. So I don't think he's actually played too bad. He is 32 now, so perhaps, you know, his powers are on the wane anyway. But I think that overall he has got a bit of a raw deal because I think he's still someone, especially in Ligue 1, that can really offer them something. And perhaps this season especially hasn't been utilised as much. And perhaps the way that the club has gone in the last 18 months has, has sort of been a, it's been a sort of poor timing from his point of view. So I honestly like to see him play play a lot more. I know that Gazelle's first choice and had a really good sort of six to six to twelve months, I guess. But I think Valbuena should be should still be an integral part of this side. But it's just whether Janessa um, can get the best out of him at thirty two, and whether he's he's perhaps he's sort of one of those players that his career is kind of perhaps sort of on its on its way out now, and he's perhaps not the player he was. So. I'd like to see him in a team, and I think he has got a bit of a, a little more often anyway. And I think he has got a bit of a raw deal, but it may be not just his poor performances, it may also be sort of circumstance. So perhaps I, I would like to see him use more, and it hasn't really gone well for him. It's, it's a shame, but hopefully we'll see, hopefully we'll see a renaissance from, from Valbuena in the second half of this season. All right. Peter, to you then with a the broader question surrounding Leon. They've struggled by their standards to start the season. Uh, and there have been a few rumors coming, uh, floating around lately. Uh, one of them was Bertrand Traore to uh, Chelsea youngster coming in. Uh, is there a fix to be had in the January window? Or should this team focus on the talent that they do have? Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally sure on Traore. I mean, he's on loan at Ajax, I think, at the moment. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a season-long loan deal or just till January. But he'd certainly be, be an interesting option. Um, though, if I'm honest, I'm not quite sure that it is necessarily an issue that they can solve with transfers. Um, I think Leon recruited fairly well over the summer, um, and you'd have to say they, they probably have one of the strongest squads in, in Liga, um, probably the strongest squad other than uh, PSG. Um, so for me, the, the problem must lie a little bit deeper than that. I think the kind of the big clubs in Liga now, if you look at the, the two major ones other than Lyon, which is obviously PSG and Marseille, they've now got big, inspiring managers at their helm. You know, Rui Garcia and um, obviously Unai Emre. Should Leon perhaps be looking to a manager with more ambition to, I don't know, inspire players and, uh, and the fans? Uh, I suppose you're probably more suited to answer that one, Eric. Uh, it's hard to tell. I, I think that the strategy they've taken in, in appointing these, these French managers, uh, dating back to the time of Remy Gard, I think is a strategy driven by their financial circumstances that they didn't want to overpay for uh, someone of a higher reputation because they simply couldn't afford it. Uh, between the funding of the Park OL and uh, the transfer mishaps they'd had, particularly the signings of uh, Yuan Gorkuf and Ali Sissoko, that is, their, say, their fees relative to their success on the pitch, uh, had really hamstrung the club. And Jimmy Briand was another one who probably didn't justify his fee. Uh, Ed Erson is another one. And... Trying to claw back from that, I think Leon were forced to, to be needs must for a while. And simply because of the talent they had and, and the amazing success at the Youth Academy at the club, uh, they have managed to stay in contention despite this. But now I think, you know, with with the talent they have on hand now in, in terms of Talisa, Lacazette, Fakir, Agonalon, Lopez, there's really not much of an excuse for Leon not to be further up the table and and making a better show of themselves in, in the Champions League. And how, how much of that is down to having a top-quality manager? Well, it's hard to say because the other side of this coin, we've seen quite a bit of frisson 
between players brought in and and the younger the younger academy players. Uh, the reception and interactions of Claudio Bovu last year being probably the the biggest example of that. But there have been others as well. I mean, Milan Bistovac, who had been a great, I think, a pretty good servant for the team, left the team. Uh, in bad terms last uh, last winter after falling out with Genesio. And I think there certainly is a, a bit of tribalism there as regards who's an academy product and who's being brought in. And some players seem to have fit in without much problems. I think Henry Bedimo had a productive time with the club, for example. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous situation because if uh, a manager of some reputation is brought in and, and these academy players, again, the ones I've just mentioned, don't respond well to him, well, then you've got a more expensive, you're, then you're on the hook for much more, and you've got underperforming players. So it's a, it's a bit of a sticky wicket for, for Leon. I'm not really sure personally what direction they should go in. I, I think Genesio does deserve more time. I think that injuries have played too much of a role in, in, their, in their poor starts of the season. But um, I think they've got a lot of intriguing younger pieces too. I mean, Mamana, Tiakabi, Mateta, I mean, there's Kalulu, Corne. There's still more to come from this team. Uh, they do have a chance to get better. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, Adam, your prediction for the game? Well, I think it's going to be another interesting one, but I think another away win. So, uh, 2-1 Leon. Okay. Uh, I'll go for a one-all draw. And Peter? I'm going to go 2-0 Leon. I, I can't see, can't see Leo doing much in this game, if I'm honest. All right. Even though Nico Depreville is set to come back, where's Nathan? Your favorite. Where's Nathan, <laughs> where's Nathan to defend him when you need him? Uh, so, uh, moving on now to Saturday's match. We've got, we've got the early match, uh, and that's PSG hosting Nantes. Adam, let's take a look at Nantes. Uh, Nikolai Thompson and Alexander Kasaniklich have a decent amount of experience between them. They're both senior international for, for, their, for Denmark and Sweden, their respective countries, but haven't really had a great start to their time in Brittany. Femin Harit and Valentin Ronger both out for this match. The Scandinavian duo should both be included against the champions. What's held this pair back so far? And could there be more to come from the two? It is an interesting one because given... I, I was quite excited when, when Nantes signed Alex Kachanovic in, 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 in particular. I remember him coming through at Fulham and being quite exciting for quite a while in, in the Premier League. But I think perhaps that uh, he, he's an example of a bit of a Francis Jeffers in that he, he's 25 and his career has already started to sort of downturn. His sort of influence on games has downturned quite a lot since that sort of initial period in, in, in the Fulham team, dropping to the championship. Obviously, they had a lot of managers. Kit Simons um, was there for a while, and they had a, few, a lot of changes, and he was in and out of the team. Form dropped away quite a lot, and he hasn't been given that chance to, that he would have loved to have to, to develop. Perhaps at the time when he was really performing for Fulham and playing well, um, when they were, they were a good Premier League side, he might have expected a, a move to a slightly bigger club. And his career could have gone in a very different direction. But he may be somebody that's peaked earlier, maybe even flattered to deceive a little bit. Maybe he hasn't got the, the potential to, to influence games on a regular basis in the way he did when he was sort of that sort of young gun at, at Fulham. I was surprised he was only 25, to be honest. I thought he was a lot younger than that. Um, so maybe he, he, he has that potential, but, <clears throat> but whether he can still realise it is another question. Uh, Nikolai uh, Thompson is, another, is a different one. <clears throat> Apologies. Um, he, he sort of was at Albuquerque for like five years and he would have played um, European games, would have had continental experience, but I'm not sure that he's had that experience too much outside the Danish league, which although an uh, interesting league isn't the strongest. So I think taking, but sort of acquiring him and, and making him sort of a key part of, of the team was a gamble to, to start with anyway. So it's, got, it's whether 
he's got the ability to make that step up to, to league and and I'm not <clears throat> I've not really seen it so far. So although those two players might turn out to be good squad players, <clears throat> it's whether they can sorry. <clears throat> wow, having real issues. Um it's whether they can sort of whether they're gonna replace Harit and Rongier in tomorrow in on Saturday's game and, and perform as well as those two have. I'm a big fan of Rongier as I've mentioned before on the pod and I mean Harit's been fantastic since the summer. Real, probably their best player so far this season. Um but I don't know if if they've they've both between them Thomason and Thompson sorry and Catchlinks have really got the quality in this league at, at this stage of their career. I, I I'm not sure they're the signings that Gerard would have hoped they would have been. So there's a little bit perhaps Catchlinks has still got some to some to prove, but Thompson I've really not been impressed with at all. So disappointing I think, and it's one of the things that Nantes have have failed so far this this season to really bring in the players to bring them onto that next level that cater in the the president Vladimir Kater and, and the fans really, really desire. They've really, really struggled so far. So I think it's, 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 there's still, there's still hope, especially for Kachinovich. But overall, I'm not sure they're up to the standard that they would would have hoped when when they signed. Could I, could I just quickly interject and say that just on Kachinovich as well, I, I saw mm. him play quite a lot for Fulham in the Championship. And he's a player that's always reminded me of Florian Tovan. Mm. in that he's not too fast but very very tricky and he really does light up a game on his day I saw Fulham uh, play Derby last year towards the end of the year and he was really the only bright spark in that team Um, so that he's got something um, but I get the feeling that he's someone who needs to be constantly playing and also needs to be utilised in the right way whether whether or not that's happening at Nantes I'm not really sure Um, Adam obviously you'd be the the main man to answer that one Um, but he he is certainly a player that can can really... um, light up a game. I think he's one of those players that needs a rhythm. Like he needs yeah. to be said. He's do playing every week and he needs confidence. And I'm not sure given that the options they've got and the switching formation and Gerard trying to find some sort of formula that will get, get his side up the table given how close he was to the sack last month or the month before maybe now in October, yeah last month. And it's it's something that he might not get in this team. So he may do that later on in the year if the, if it works out in that way. I don't know that Bamu's gonna be a uh, a consistent player on the right hand side of the midfield and I personally think Kachalinks is a better player I'm not a huge fan of Yassine Bones he might get his chances but hopefully you're right and hopefully that hopefully that form at Fulham will, will trans, trans, transit at some point but I haven't, haven't seen it too much yet yeah. Alright Peter moving on now with Adrian Rabio out because of a thigh injury he suffered on international duty could this be the match in which Rigorsikoviac finally makes his mark? Hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's such a shame, obviously, for Rabiot. He was really looking like coming on leaps and bounds this season um, and had been playing very well under Unai Emery. Um, but I suppose you've got to make the, the best of a bad situation and uh, hopefully he will do, Erica. We mentioned before uh, numerous times in the podcast of what a huge signing uh, Krakowiak has been for, for PSG, especially in terms of finances, and how surprised we've all uh, been not to see him feature more regularly for PSG. I mean, especially considering the um, decline in form of the the once great Thiago Motta. Um, so, I, I'd love to see the the Polish midfielder cement a place in the side. Personally, um, I think his performances at Sevilla last year and for Poland, it was impressive at the Euros. I think merit his place. Um, but I guess it's that age-old argument: we don't get to see what happens behind closed doors, and we don't know what's going on uh, in terms of the hierarchy of, of PSG. So I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, hopefully, yes, I, I hope so. All right. We'll go with some score predictions now. I'm going to go with a uh, 3-0 win for PSG. Peter? Uh, I'll go 
2-0 PSG. All right, and Adam? I'm going to go 4 I 4 nil PSG. I think they look really yeah. good against Ren finally last, last time out, so 4-0 for me. All right, and speaking of Ren, we're going to move now on to uh, their match. They're hosting Angers. Peter, youngster Nicolas Pepe made his debut for the Ivory Coast against France on Tuesday. Well, he immediately didn't impact the match much. He may get a start with Carl Toko Akambi returning from injury. How do you see Pepe's place in the team developing, especially given the essentially season-ending injury to Billy Keokompo? Good. I mean, fair play to you for having a go at pronouncing that one. I think most people try and duck around that one. So at least fair fair play to you for giving it a go. Um, I, th- I think he could potentially offer Angers a lot this season, um, if not just for the fact that he's somewhat of a surprise package and, and, and defenders aren't necessarily going to know what to expect. Uh, obviously, you mentioned his pace, but at 21, you know, he's got a lot of his career ahead of him and, and so much time to kind of learn and, and grow as a player. Um, I think the fact as well that he can play on either wing um, offers Angers a lot. Um, you know, he's a versatile player. He's the kind of player that... Um, a team like Angers that really need in a way. And uh, I think if you're going to be fighting for your place in Liga, like you would imagine Angers are going to be, um, you need that kind of player in abundance. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I hope he does well. I, I don't think they'll play him, like I said, I think they'll play him out wide. I don't think they'll play him as a, as a, as a centre forward because um, I think they would look to utilise his pace. But, yeah, he, if he could add some goals to his game, he could potentially end up being a quite quite big big part for them. All right. Uh, what do you see? Th- how do you see this match going, score-wise? Um, I will go for. Hmm, I'll go one nil Angers. I think I'll, I'll stick for them. Adam, uh, one all for me. All right, and I'm going to go one two to Angers. Um, so now we are moving on now to Sunday. We're going to look at a pair of matches. Uh, we're going to start with the early match, and that's. Uh, Bordeaux's visit to Gangamp. This early Sunday match was probably hardly one to circle on the calendar when the fixtures were first announced. With the hosts in force and the visitors just two points behind them, it probably has more appeal than one would think. Adam, Gangamp have looked very sharp at times. Well, Bordeaux seems to have ridden their luck in terms of some of their results, most notably their win against Lorient last weekend. It's early in the season, but does a win for Gangamp against a much more highly regarded opponent really stamp them as genuine European contenders? Um, I, I think it might. I think it's, it was one of those situations where it's still quite early to tell with, with Gangon. They're doing brilliantly well. They've, they've had a fantastic start to the season and have Anton Kambare is not a manager I, I particularly rated before, um, before um, he's, he's stint at, at Gangon. He was obviously at PSG for a little while and I, I covered Ren Football Radar when, when he was their manager. Obviously, they had a, a, a lot of issues that season and he can't be blamed for their... For, uh, sorry, Lance, sorry for can't be blamed for their um their downfall back to, to league there but I, I think perhaps it's one of those situations that you might need to sort of look at again when you, when we come to sort of the christmas time once they've played everyone once you know that what first round of if you like round of fixtures where everyone's played everyone has got out of the way and see where gangon are are then they've obviously got some really really good results so far they drew uh, on the opening day at monaco and in fact they've you know they've played really well in spells so i've been really impressed with them yana saliba is still a really good performer for them um, Jimmy Brion's, you know, had, had a decent enough season. So they've got, they're just a solid unit and he's really got that, the best out of their team. They're really maximising the talent that they've got at their disposal. But to say that they might finish in the European places is a little bit early to, to tell whether that's 
a likelihood for them as yet, given that what well, is four European places for the league and assuming as last season where PSG win both cups, six is going to be the maximum or maybe one of those other top four sides win a cup. Um, to finish in the top six in this league is, is for Gangoy, a club like Gangoy is, is very, very difficult. But I think top half they'll be looking at at the moment and perhaps push on if after, after the winter break um, towards the top six if they're still in this really good position. And a win over Bordeaux tomorrow would, would definitely give them some, a lot of confidence because if you look at Bordeaux's squad, they're kind of the opposite. They're kind of like, they've got so many good players. They've got such a good squad. I think I, I, you could argue that their squad is fourth best in the league, perhaps, maybe even higher. Um, and they're not performing as, as a group, whereas Ganga on the opposite, they haven't got really got too many standout players, but they are performing as a group and they're getting results and they look like a team. Bordeaux don't really look like a team at the moment. So I think it would, it would be a really, a really big win for Ganga if they can get this result because as it, as it stands, they're the, they're the form side and they may even be favourites at home tomorrow. So I remember this game being very good last season. For that. I think it was 4-2 to Bordeaux, I think I seem to remember. So it might be quite an exciting one, but if Gangwon get that win, then, you know, it's fuel to the fire, isn't it? You know, they, they, why not push on for Europe? It's, it's by no means impossible and they, they look good. So hopefully they'll keep the run up. So, Adam, what about Bordeaux? This is a team that you cover football radar and have, have written some good stuff in our, in our league on review column. This club continue to bring in a wealth of talent, while the play of experienced players like Rodri Sertic and Cedric Carrasso, who is admittedly currently injured but was dropped last season, uh, suffers from a, a lack of continuity in terms of system and personnel around them. Is this team lacking direction to what's becoming a paralyzing extent? I think it's very difficult to characterize what the exact issue is with Bordeaux so far this season. I think... I liked what Justin Govanek's done in terms of how he's affected the, the club as a, as a wider entity, if you like. So I think given that last season under, under uh, Willy Sagnol, they had ridiculous amounts of injuries. It was almost laughable. And they, they sort of really lost the impetus, not just as, as a team, as a squad, but as a club. And the, the, the tendencies in their new stadium really dwindled. And I, I, met, I went out and met some of the fans uh, last season. They were, they were very, very upset about how their team was going. And they, even though they liked Sagnol, they felt like, that it was time for him to, to move on at that point because he, he obviously lost that aura over the team. He had some, some issues with one or two players. There were fan protests. And um, I, Jean-Louis Trio went to a couple of training sessions to sort of oversee what was going on, as, 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 as I seem to recall. So it, I think that Govanek really made an effort to get the fans back on side. So I think off the pitch, he, sort of, he, he kind of, well, as, as with this relationship with the fans, he, he did get some, some direction in. I think they, they felt like they were going somewhere at the start of the season. They made some really good signings. Tula Lana Menes, like massive signings for, for a club like Bordeaux in, in this position. Both really experienced French, European players coming from, from big clubs. They would have felt like this is, the, you know, he's really got, got a hold on, on this squad and he can keep everybody fit. They've got some great players and they should push on. But for some reason, it's, it's more like, although I feel like he's done the right thing, though, though, those solutions haven't really sort of come off, not because of the way he's gone about it, but players are underperforming across their team. Toulon looked brilliant in preseason, but has not lived up to anywhere near the expectations that I on this podcast placed on him earlier in the year. Um, Menez has been intermittent at best. He's barely like the player that he was at his best AC Milan and, and before. Um, Adam Unas is being played. This is maybe one mistake that Gorvnik's made. Adam Unas is playing on the wrong wing for me. He's, he's, um, he's left-footed, but likes to to cut inside and he's been played sort of out wide where he has to go around on the outside and cross. I think he's much more dangerous cutting in. Um, Yaroslav Plas has not had the best. He's been such a stalwart for them. He's now 34. Is he a little bit 
little bit too old, perhaps. He's, he's, he's influenced on the rain. Diego Rolon's not had a great season. And, and Malcolm's like, just like promising some really great things at the end of last season and the start of the season has really trailed off. So I, I, I'm not sure where Gorvanek's gone wrong in terms of tactics or squad selection. I feel like the team are underperforming. Perhaps it's just an example of him sacrificing system to get all his best players into that 4-2-4 that they play. Perhaps he needs to think about dropping one of the, one of the more four players and going 4-3-3. And we talked about um, uh, Igor, who, whose surname I'm not going to attempt to pronounce, but from Poland has done really well and come in using him and then search it further forward. Perhaps might be a solution. Maybe go 4-3-3 a little bit more solid, a bit more impetus in midfield, a bit more control of the ball. Val- might use Valentin Vado a little bit more, who's great on the ball, good range of passing. So maybe that would be a bit more prudent going forward. And I, know, I understand that his attacking intent was something that, you know, he really prioritised and that 4-4-2 slash 4-2-4 was, was key to that. But maybe it's, it's sort of that still it's welcome and perhaps he needs to think about the, changing the direction in, in tactically. But overall, I think he's, he's done the right things that just haven't come off yet. Yeah, I do have to say that that's a really uh, well-stated sentiment there, Adam. I, I do think that We've seen the best from Bordeaux in the recent past. I think also about the four-three-one-two down the back in the 2015 uh, mm. with with Kasri behind uh, the pairing of Kisetelen and uh, Roland. Uh, that giving giving those younger attacking players a bit more freedom uh, would seem to get perhaps release some of that pressure and allow them allow them more chances to create instead of relying on the likes of Roland and Menes, who have not been at their best to start the season. To be no, char- charitable. Uh, so, so what then would be your prediction for this? Uh... I, I, I'm, I'm really too optimistic about this one. Um, I'm going to go to all. To all. Goals galore. And mm. Peter? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Gangon. Okay, I'm going to go one all. All right, and finally, let's take a look at Saint-Étienne and Nice. Uh, this is Sunday's... Uh, evening match. Uh, Adam, the Tantian have incredibly lost just once in the last three months in all competitions, but they still sit in ninth place in the table. Is this a chance to make a statement win? The conditions seem right. They're playing at home to the league leaders who are missing key players in Paul Bice and Mario Balotelli. What do you say? I, I think it could be. Um, I was really disappointed that Nice uh, came up short in their previous game away at Con. I was really hoping they'd maintain that six-point lead going into the break. And for the first time, I felt like perhaps, although it may be a, a slightly half criticism, they, um, Lucien Favre and his team came up short like, in terms of ideas for the first time this season. Obviously, it was their first defeat and they've had a fantastic start. But I think they may be, given, given the, the reasons you just stated with players out, they may be there for the taking in this game. And especially with Sinetian at home, they're going to fancy themselves in, in this fixture. With Sinetian, it's been a really weird season because I think they've sort of very much scraped by. They've very much sort of scraped the results. Uh, uh, a colleague of mine often jokes that they, you know, they, when they score in the first half, which is very rarely this season, that they've sort of scored too early. And it's why, why aren't they waiting until the last minute? Because they've salvaged draws and wins and the odd point here and there from 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 sort of the jaws of, of defeat, if you like. A couple of times in Europa League, I remember Anderlecht, um, Dijon, that penalty at home. So they've sort of scraped by. And I'm, I think now they've getting some, they had some injuries and they're getting players back. But they they sort of starting to look like the team they should look like with the with all their players fit when you've got Vera too and Omri Saive, who are obviously really good league and performers. If Beric can get him onto goals, he's a really good finisher. Even as much as I dislike him, Asama Talan's looked all right in the last few weeks. Um, so I think they're sort of, they're evolving slowly. Perhaps they're going hit, to hit their form at the right time in this really busy period and we're going to see them progress into those 
later around the Europa League and, and you know up the table in Ligue 1, which is very much the expectation for Gautier this season, given he's been, what, seven years, I think, now? So it's sort of that comes to that point where he's kind of progressed them every season until kind of last season when they were treading water. Has he taken the club as far as he can take them? I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he started the next season as, as a manager of another team or, you know, or just not at Sanetian. So a win here would be huge because Nisa started so well. That's the kind of, that's the kind of route Sanetian want for themselves and where they see themselves. Obviously an ambitious team and a historically important team and one that, you know, is very proud of their history. So a win here would, would, would be really beneficial to sort of support their claim that they should be where Nisa are. Um, given the players they've got and the, the, the manager they've got and the funds they've invested. So I think a win here, if they can pull it off and Nice may be there for the taking, would be huge. So as I imagine the fans of Svetian will, will definitely be hoping so. All right, Peter, this could be a huge stumbling block for Nice. This begins a run of 10 matches in just over a month for the Glow. Is this the type of match Lucien Favre should take a punt on, or would you like to see a full-throttle approach against Lever as they hope to perhaps make up ground on the likes of Monaco and PSG playing last as they do. Yeah, I think um, as a neutral, it's easy for me to say uh, full throttle all the way, but I, I am going to anyway. Um, I, I really would go for this one. Uh, this could end up being such an incredible season for Nice um, with the big teams around them, obviously, you know, stop starting a little bit this season and faltering away a little bit. And I really don't think there's there's any reason to, to think that Nice couldn't be title contenders. They've looked absolutely fantastic this season, and I'd hate for Lucien Favre to, to become cautious or, or, or bogged down with expectation or nerve. Um, I don't think that's what got them into this position in the first place. Um, they've been so brave in the way that they've approached each game, and they've really just gone for it. Doesn't matter who it is, um, and I'd, I'd hate to see that change. So, I think as we've seen by Satetian performances this season, they can be. Um, absolutely awesome on their day and absolutely awful not on their day um so really i i, I would i would go for it um and that would be my advice i i would really would hate to see nice become a team that get overwhelmed by the uh, immensity of the task and, and also the the immensity of what of how much it would mean to i think french football in general if a team like nice who I haven't got billions of pounds, uh, sorry, billions of euros um, behind them. Um, could, if, if, if they could win this league, it, it could just be huge for French football in general. And, and I, I, really, I really am behind them. All right. So then we'll finish this off with predictions. I'm going to go with the typical Saint-Étienne result, 1-1. Peter? Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 Nice. And Adam? I, I would love to see Nice win. I'd, I agree with Peter, definitely. I'd love to see them win this league. It'd be great. But I would think Svetia might win 1-0 tomorrow or okay. something. Well, thanks for joining me, gents. Um, that is all for today. Please do follow us on Twitter at GFFN and at GFFN Matchstone for coverage of tomorrow's matches and all the goals throughout the weekend. Uh, and also visit us on Monday uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, British time, 9 p.m. European time for the GFFN show hosted by Nathan Staples, where I join him and Philip Bargio. Uh Thank you and have a pleasant weekend. Enjoy your football, uh, both French and otherwise. A lot of great games going around, around Europe this weekend. Thank you.